one of the main areas in Christianity where that is really misunderstood is in regards to the Holy Spirit. Now, as believers, we understand and embrace that there is God the Father, and we understand and embrace there is God the Son. But we often misunderstand and in some ways reject the idea of God the Holy Spirit. Now, wrong ideas about the Holy Spirit tend to run in polar extremes. Right on one side would be what I would call the charismatic excesses. Uh, you've probably seen this on YouTube and things along those lines. But with this extreme, you find the Holy Spirit's leading being used to excuse or ignore or reject Scripture. Right? You see this with those who would stand up and they would begin to bring, quote unquote, a word from the Lord. Right? But they would never actually open their Bible. Instead, their sermon is all about some new revelation that they have received. Uh, or there's some sort of wild, chaotic, running and hollering and falling down, rolling event, and, and really just all kinds of strange and weird activities. And, and, and that's all explained by saying, well, well, brother, that's just what the Holy Spirit led me to do. I, I don't know what to tell you. But on the other end of the extreme is a crowd that almost acts like there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. Now, many within that crowd probably couldn't tell you that they had ever actually experienced the Holy Spirit's presence in their life. Uh, in fact, I've talked to those within, I would say, this camp, and they don't want to experience the Holy Spirit's presence in their life because they don't want to be, quote-unquote, like them. With this group, if you talk about the Holy Spirit leading you, they, they pretty much instantly begin to think you're a weirdo. Right? The Holy Spirit led me this way, or the Holy Spirit showed me that, or the Holy Spirit said this. And instantly, you're questionable. You're someone that they're not sure that they can trust. Uh, and people in this group are, are genuinely fearful of becoming like those on the opposite end of the spectrum. And so what they've typically done is, they have just pulled back to the other extreme, and they live and act like there is no Holy Spirit, and they basically live a life devoid of the Holy Spirit's power. Now, personally, I don't want to fall into either extreme. Right? The first extreme, it really does scare me. Right? I'm not joking when I say that. They truly scare me. The heresy that is preached by those in that group is, is startling and disturbing. Some of the things that they do and attribute to the Holy Spirit really does cause me to wonder if they are demon-possessed because of the things that they say and the things that they do. Uh, and the other end of the extreme, they, they don't scare me, but they just they seem to live a, a dry religious experience that seems to be more about just religious activity than a genuine relationship with the living God. And I've wondered, why do we run to extremes? Why go to either extreme? And what I've come to realize is extremes are easy. Right? It is far easier to, to just say that anything someone says, that when they say it, and they say, well, the Holy Spirit led me, to just say, well, that must be the Holy Spirit then. That's easy. You don't have to, to study Scripture. Right? You don't have to do what the Bible says about test all things. Hold fast to that which is true and get rid of every appearance of evil. Right? You can just say, well, that must have been the Spirit, and you don't have to think or discern or do anything. At the same time, it is easy to just dismiss anything that someone might say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do this, the Holy Spirit's leading me to say that. Uh, it is far easier to just say, well, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. 
That's not the way things happen anymore. That's just not the way the world works. It is easier to do that than it is to listen, to discern, and then to surrender to His leading. As Bible-believing Christians, we don't want to run to either extreme. Right? What we want to do is we want to stay where the Bible is. And if the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does something, then what we want to say is, that's what the Holy Spirit does, and He, he can do that in my life. And if the Bible says something like this cannot be the Holy Spirit, then we don't want to just say, well, well, that must be the Holy Spirit because it happened in church and they said it was the Holy Spirit. We want to say no. Not because the Bible even tells us to test the spirits, to see if it's of God or not in 1 John. So, pretty much this whole series, and I've changed the name you can see, uh, is built on the idea of going where the Bible says to go and doing what the Bible says to do and believing what the Bible says to believe. And this is what we need to do when it comes to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So to help with this tonight, what I want to do is answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, as I was going in this sermon, it was too, there's a lot. I mean, the idea of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does is really enormous. Uh, so I've narrowed it down. It's a, there's a lot, a big outline, but there's only two, two things that we're going to look at tonight. Who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Right? And that is a, a very important point regarding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And most Christians can tell you quite a bit about God the Father. Right? They can tell you about things that the Bible attributes to Him, what the Bible says about His nature and His character, some of the ways that He has acted throughout history and throughout Scripture. At the same time, many Christians can tell you quite a bit about God the Son. But they can tell you about His, his life and His ministry and His miracles and His death and His resurrection and that salvation is based upon faith alone, through grace alone, and in Jesus alone. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, many people are at a loss for words. Or they really have misinformation about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. Right? For instance, how would you answer this question? What rank does the Holy Spirit hold in scale of existence? Right? I mean, that, that's an important question. What, what rank is He? I was talking to Kelly about this. And she said that growing up, she understood there to be a, a hierarchy in which the Holy Spirit was the least important person in the Trinity. Not that, that God the Father was, was most important, and then Jesus was, was maybe not quite, maybe not what you'd say less important, but, but still ranked. But then there was God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit was, was not important. Right? You really didn't talk about God the Holy Spirit. You really didn't talk about the Spirit moving and guiding and filling and empowering and equipping people to go and to serve. Now, she said she may not have been explicitly taught that, but that was the impression that she received from what she heard or more likely than not didn't hear about the Holy Spirit. And, and I will say for my growing up, what I heard was that the charismatic excess was crazy. And that was it. All, all you really heard was what, this is wrong, but not so much about this is right when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And that can lead you to say, well, 
Anything like that, anything that the Holy Spirit would lead you to do, that, that must be wrong, and, and there must not be anything to it at all. One book I read said that for many Christians today, the Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Right? Just that the real tendency to minimize or to de-emphasize the Holy Spirit all together. Now, probably there are a few Christians that would actively say that the Holy Spirit is Christianity's version of the force. Just sort of an impersonal force that, that can lead God, but not really God Himself. They, they wouldn't say that, but many live and act as though that were the way it is. And part of what we need to know and embrace about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. And Scripture expresses this in, in several ways. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is God in us. Jesus, toward the end of His life, He said, And I will pray to the Father and He'll give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells in you and will be in you. Now, when Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be another helper, another doesn't mean necessarily different or lesser. It just means different but of the same kind, right? If, if I left, another pastor would come. It wouldn't be a lesser pastor, a different kind of pastor. It would be the same thing, just a, in a different person or a different form. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Jesus came to be God with us. His name is Emmanuel. The Holy Spirit, though, He comes after Jesus has ascended and He comes to be God in us. So not another lesser, but another the same, God in us. The Bible also expresses this by telling us that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Right? And again, in Scripture, only eternal things, or only, only God is eternal. Everything else, whether it be angels or demons or devils or, or earth, all things are created, but not the Holy Spirit. Right? The Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the peering of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Right? So the Holy Spirit is said to be eternal. But we know this is true even without that verse because the Holy Spirit is present in the beginning of time. Right? Genesis 1 expresses that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right? So before the creation of stuff, there is God the Holy Spirit present. But God the Holy Spirit is not only present in the beginning, that God the Holy Spirit will be present until the end of times. Right At the very end of the book of Revelation, which details kind of the end of all things, we're told that the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let, who, let him who hears come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. So there at the end of all things, you have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit saying, Come to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, just as Jesus did not come into existence one night in Bethlehem, the Holy Spirit did not come into existence on the day of Pentecost. He is eternal. He has always been. Uh, another way we see the idea that the Holy Spirit is God is that we are baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. 
Remember that in the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The baptism formula that Jesus gives it is a, a Trinitarian formula. For the Holy Spirit not to be God, but to be included in that, it would be heretical. To baptize anyone in any name that is not God. Right? If we were to have a baptism service and I were to baptize someone in the name of the Father, the Son, and Benjamin Randall, the founder of the Free Will Baptist Movement, that would be a heretical thing for me to do. For me to say, I baptize you in the name of Stacy Ross, the preacher preaching, that would be a heretical thing to do. We can only baptize in the name of God. And so that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we also see that the Holy Spirit is expressly called God. Now, this is a, an interesting story. And a lot of these passages we're going to look at tonight, I don't have time to look at much, just kind of to hit the highlights that deal with what we're talking about. But in the book of Acts, that a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife held or sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also, being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your hearts? You have not lied to men, but to God. Right? So in the beginning, Peter says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. But as Peter gets to the end of the statement, right before Ananias dies, we're told that he had lied to God. So the Spirit and God are, are interchangeable because the Spirit is God. Right? The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, which also demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is God. Right? But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, proof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. But in another place we're told, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so in one place, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And in another place, it is the Holy Spirit that, that guides them and carries them along to write it down. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Right? The Holy Spirit gives life. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and life. Then Jesus answered and said, Unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now in Scripture... God is the author of life. Only God gives eternal life or physical life. And yet here, we see that life, giving eternal life, spiritual life, is attributed to the Holy Spirit. Um, just a couple more. The Holy Spirit makes us the temple of God. Right? Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, and whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Now, notice just a few chapters later, Paul 1 describes where the temple of God 
And then later, in the same book, he describes with the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? So, what makes us the temple of God? Well, he answers that in the very first one, in that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Right? What made the, the Holy of Holies holy was that God's presence was there. What makes us the temple in that Holy of Holies, it is that God is in us. And it is God, the Holy Spirit, that dwells within us. And then finally on this one, the Holy Spirit sends us on mission. It says, In the church at Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now notice the wording on this. They, they ministered to the Lord, right? So there's to the Lord, and fasted. And then the Holy Spirit said, Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Right? So here they are really kind of worshiping the Lord. They are fasting, they're praying, they're seeking God. And as they seek God, the Holy Spirit speaks. And as the Holy Spirit speaks, He claims Paul and Barnabas as His own. They are to be separated unto Me so they can go to the ministry which I, the Holy Spirit, have called them. But again, this is only God has the kind of authority to call and equip and send someone on mission. So it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus and as the Father. And that's a really kind of a huge thing to understand. It does not detract from Jesus to talk about the Holy Spirit. It does not detract from the Father to talk about the Holy Spirit. Right Within the Trinity, there is no division. There is no jealousy. If we focus on the Holy Spirit, and we say, fill us, Holy Spirit, send us, Holy Spirit, work in lives, Holy Spirit. God the Father and God the Son aren't up there going, no, focus on me, I'm jealous. Right? And at the same time, when we talk about Jesus and His salvation, the Holy Spirit's not going, look at me, focus on me for a little while. Right? There is no division, there is no jealousy, there is no competition within the Trinity. They all, the world. The Holy Spirit is just as much God and equal with God the Father and God the Son. Now part of what that means is the Holy Spirit is worthy of our worship. Just as God the Father and God the Son is. Now, how many of you, the idea of worshiping the Holy Spirit, how many thinks that sounds kind of strange? Right? And I've got my hand up because to me that, that sounds kind of strange. That's not what I've done much in my life. But if you look in our hymnals, there are hymns that have been written that sing about the Holy Spirit. The Comforter has come. Come Holy Spirit and things along those lines. It is, it is right and good to worship the Holy Spirit because He is God. So the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Now what do I mean when I say the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, I don't mean... That He is a, a being with a physical body. Instead, what I mean is that the Holy Spirit has His own identity and, and individuality. Now, throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is repeatedly described and treated as though He were a person. Right? Not a thing, 
Not an it, not a force. And again, this is kind of a huge thing. God the Father obviously has a personality. God the Son clearly has a personality. Well, God the Holy Spirit also has that same attribute. Because, and He's not, we don't see the Holy Spirit referenced or treated as an impersonal force who just kind of moves and does, but as a, a person who wills and acts and does. Let me show you this. Right? First, personhood is attributed to the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. But now, not I will send it. I will send Him. Jesus repeatedly mentions the Holy Spirit. And without exception, He refers to the Holy Spirit as though He were a person. And not some sort of an impersonal force. Nowhere in the Bible is the Holy Spirit ever referred to as anything other than a person. There's no, and it will do this. The Holy Spirit is always treated and talked about as a person. Right? The Holy Spirit also has intellect. But God has revealed things, revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit knows the mind and the will and the heart of God. The Holy Spirit searches out the, the deep things of the heart and the mind and the will of God. But the Holy Spirit also then reveals them. But what we, part of what we understand about how the intellect in this works is the Holy Spirit is not like the Internet. Right? If you, you can get on Google and you can search something and the, whole, and, the, and the Internet can reveal everything in the world to you, right? I mean, you Google anything and there are 10 million results. Well, the Holy Spirit isn't like Google. You don't just type in, teach me this, and it's just a massive download of all the information, half of which is not even relevant or useful to your life. The Holy Spirit, the idea that He searches and reveals, is that He searches out what we need. And He speaks to us about what we need. Right? We, we don't have time to look at this tonight, but the Holy Spirit is the one who, who illuminates Scripture to us. He is the one that makes us understand what the Word is saying and how it applies to our life. How many times have you had where maybe you read a familiar passage... And suddenly, it jumped out in a way that you had never seen before. And what jumped out at you is exactly what you needed in that time. Two months ago, had you received it, it wouldn't have helped you as much. But on this day, in that time, in that moment, it was just like, wow, that's encouragement, that's strengthening, that's challenging, that's what I need. But that's the Holy Spirit doing it, but He's revealing it as we need it, and as we can accept it, because He is intelligent. And He has an intellect to know when we need it, and when we don't. The Holy Spirit also makes choices. This is a long passage. Um, but it's about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Diversities of ministries, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are differences of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. 
But the one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. But when we came to Christ and were saved, we were given a spiritual gift. But the choice of what gift we were given was made by the Holy Spirit. But it's not like, you know, in a... It's not like you put in money in a vending machine and you just get the next pack of M&M's if you select the M&M's that falls. It's not the way it works. You get saved and so the next spiritual gift on the list falls to you. It's not how it works. Instead, what happens is when we get saved, the Holy Spirit Himself, He looks at us, knows our hearts, knows our minds, knows what needs to be done, knows what the church and the community that we live in needs, and then He makes an individual choice to give us the gift that we need for that time in our lives. That is an individual choice. That's a, something a person does. Not an it or a force. But the Holy Spirit has emotions. Right? The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit's emotions. Or what I would call emotions or emotional things in several ways. Right? The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Paul says do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, the word grieve, it means to pain or to offend or sadden. Think about that. There are things that we can do that pain, offend, or sadden the Holy Spirit. Now, right, you, you don't offend things, do you? You don't offend it. You can't offend the force. You can only offend people. The Holy Spirit is a person, and so He can be grieved by us in things that we say or do in our lives. He can even be insulted. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose He ought to be thought worthy, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Now the word translated as insulted is a strong word. And it carries with the idea of not only insulting, but also enraging. But some translations render this as insulted and enraged the Spirit. Other translations render it as outraged the Spirit. Now in this context, the insulting, outraging, uh, outraging and enraging of the Spirit is connected to the response to the Gospel. And we don't have time to get into that because that's a deep subject. But just the idea that we can through our lives, through our decisions, our response to the gospel in this case, we can insult, we can enrage, we can outrage the Holy Spirit. Again, that's not something you can do to a thing. You can't insult the pews and outrage the pews. They don't get enraged at things we say about them or things that we respond. But we don't do that to the things or the force. Only people can be insulted. Only people can be outraged. Only people can be enraged. And that's because the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of men, except, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Uh, now, to blaspheme, of course, you can blaspheme people, right? What you do is 
you say more or less lies or wrong things, terrible, hateful things against them. Right? If I were to, to call someone and just curse them out and call them foul, profane names, that's blaspheming them. If I were to go to Red and say horrible things about Bill, that's blaspheming Bill. That's the idea of what blaspheming is. So, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, in the context, the way to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to attribute the works of the Spirit to the devil. Right Now, again, I don't have time for this, but let me say this. This is why when I talk about the charismatic crazies, I'm, I'm talking really, really far, wild, way out people. There are a lot of things that, that our Pentecostal charismatic friends do that I'm not willing to attribute to a work of the devil because blaspheming the Holy Spirit is attributing the works of the Spirit to the devil, saying the Holy Spirit did that. That's the devil, really. That's what happened with Jesus. He did something. He did it through the power of the Spirit. And so the people said, eh, it's, by the, it's by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's able to cast out demons. And so we want to be careful attributing something that is could be the Holy Spirit, or someone says the Holy Spirit, to the devil. But the point for this is you can't blaspheme things or forces. You can blaspheme people and persons. The Holy Spirit is a person. None of these statements would make sense if the Holy Spirit was an impersonal force instead of a person. Another way we see that the Holy Spirit is... A person is that the Holy Spirit speaks. Right? Just as Jesus spoke and just as God speaks, the Bible repeatedly tells us that Jesus, or that the Holy Spirit speaks. Right now, the Spirit expressly says, in lighter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Jesus said, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, these aren't the only two examples. In fact, earlier... We looked at when Paul and Barnabas in the church at Antioch was ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke. Uh, There's just a a common thing throughout the book of Acts. You see over and over again, the Holy Spirit speaks to people. But again, that's not something a, a force or an it can do. Personhood. Person can speak. And then finally, the last one. We have, or, or perhaps you said we can have, we should have, a relationship the Holy Spirit. Now these were verses I quoted at the beginning. And I will pray to the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him but you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. Right, now that's significant. Uh, there is a contrast being made between believers and unbelievers. The, the unbelieving world cannot receive the Spirit. Right? They can't see Him And they don't know Him. But you, the believers, you know Him because He dwells in you and He'll be with you forever. So there is an idea that we can know the Holy Spirit. But Paul expresses it this way. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now what the New King James calls communion, other translations call fellowship. And the implication is that just as we can have a relationship with God the Father and God the Son, we can have a relationship with God the Holy Spirit. But now, 
most of us would say, I know God. I know Jesus. Right? I, know, I know my Father. I know my Savior. But how many of us would say, I know the Holy Spirit? Uh, again, because probably as Baptists, and, and as free will Baptists, free will Baptists are really nearly a part of the group that's way, way, way over here to where we don't acknowledge the Spirit like we should. I mean, I, this recently, when I pray, I've been praying, um, part from my heart, or my, my ears, that I would hear. I would hear God, and I would hear Jesus, and I would hear the Spirit. And, and different reasons for each one, but for each of them, one of the things I've said is, I, I want to hear you, Father, so that I will know you better as my Father. I want to hear Jesus, so I will know Him better as, as my Lord. And I want to hear the Holy Spirit so I can have a relationship with Him. And, and I've had to realize, I don't know, I mean, I have felt the Spirit. I can tell times when I've been empowered by the Spirit. And the Spirit has spoken and led me many times in my life. But to just say, I know the Holy Spirit like I would say, I know Jesus. The reality is, I, I don't know the Holy Spirit like I would know Jesus. Because I haven't spent as much time cultivating that relationship as I have a relationship with Jesus. And and I should. Right? Since the Holy Spirit is a person, we need to know how to relate to Him. And relating to Him, it, it does begin with a relationship. Now, how did we how do you have a relationship with a spouse? Right? You talk to them and they talk to you, you spend time together. How do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, you read the word and you pray. How do you have a relationship with God? You read the word and you pray. Right? And you listen for what He has to say to you. So how do we have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit? We read the Word and we pray and we listen. We do the same thing to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that we would with having a relationship with God the Father and God the Son. So in light of this, let me ask you a question. I asked some friends this once and they, they, they just about refused to answer because it sounded too weird. Okay, So when you pray, right, so we all pray. Do you, A, just talk to God, right? And with this, what I mean is you say, Heavenly Father, pray, 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 in Jesus' name, amen, right? You never specifically address Jesus. You just only address the Father, right? Or, B, do you talk to God the Son? When you pray, you say, Jesus, in your name, amen. Or, do you, C, talk to God the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, okay? Or, A and B, but not C, right? Sometimes I talk to the Father, Sometimes I talk to Jesus, but I never explicitly address the Holy Spirit. Or E, A, B, and C. So, so which is it for most of us? Now, I would guess for most of us, it's probably D, A and B, but not C. I, I know for me, that's the most common way I pray. Uh, I talk as much to Jesus as I do to the Father when I pray, but... I almost never talk to the Holy Spirit when I pray. But the question, why don't we? Again, if I will talk to God the Father, and if I will talk to God the Son, and if God the Holy Spirit is God and is a person, what would be wrong with praying the Holy Spirit? But now, how many think the idea of praying the Holy Spirit sounds weird? And again, that's, I, I don't know many people 
I can, I can count on one hand the number of people I have heard address the Holy Spirit personally in prayer. Most common that I have heard and done is, Father, send your spirit to convict, to open, to do these things. I can count on one hand the number of people I've said, Holy Spirit, would you go and do these things? But, but what I think we ought to do is I think we should. We should talk to the Holy Spirit. We should pray to Him because, again, He is God and He is a person. It should not feel any more weird for us to talk to the Spirit than it would be for us to talk to Jesus. Uh, Because if the Holy Spirit is God, and He is, and if the Holy Spirit is a person, and He is, then talking to the Holy Spirit should be a natural thing that we do if we want to have the kind of relationship with Him that we can have and we should have. I mean, we talk often about being Spirit-filled and Spirit-led in every area of our life. Whatever it means to be spirit-filled and spirit-led, there there has to be a relational aspect to that. Because, again, we're not talking about a force that just provides guide rails. We're talking about a person who speaks, who feels, who who wants the best for us, has, has basically all of the attributes of love and care and concern for our lives as God the Father and God the Son did. Therefore, it would make sense that He would lead us not in bumper walls, just no, 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 but in a personal, relational sort of way. So for me, I'll say for what I want from my life is I do want to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led in every area of my life. I want, I want everything. If the Bible says it's mine as a believer in Jesus Christ, I want that in my life. I want that whether that's common in free will Baptist or not. I want that whether I've ever experienced it or not. I want what the Bible says the Spirit can do in me and through me and for me. And I want that for our church. So this begins with us understanding who the Spirit is and the kind of relationship that we can and probably should have with Him. So let's begin this week to seek the Spirit in our prayers. And it doesn't have to be a, a lot or big, just Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, open the Word up to me today. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me today. Holy Spirit, show me what You want me to do today. And we can do that certain that God the Father is not going to get jealous. God the Son is not going to get jealous because we're talking to the Spirit. We can do that certain that nothing but good will happen. But Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, He said, how many of you, if you ask your dad for a fish, he's going to give you a serpent. If you ask for bread, he's going to give you a rock. And He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Listen, we we don't have to worry when we seek the Holy Spirit that we're going to go off into crazy land. We don't have to worry when we seek the Holy Spirit we're going to end up with demons and strange, dark spiritual forces. There is no way for a believer in Jesus Christ to seek God, the Holy Spirit, and end up getting anything less 
then God, the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit confidently. 